The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Monday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. Lots to get to. I need to pick Scott's brain about a few starting pitchers. Scott is currently awaiting the answer on a dynasty trade. So if that happens mid podcast, you're probably going to see Scott fall out of his chair because he was freaking out here before, uh, before we started this podcast, we are going to play a game of add, hold and drop. We have a prospect being called up on Monday and much more. But first Scott, how is your weekend, man? Oh, it was just beyond (laughs) belief, Frank, just beyond belief. No, I mean, this trade that hasn't even happened yet is probably the most exciting thing to report on. I don't know if the guy listens to the podcast or not. Brent S. Gamble, if you're listening. I know. I know you're thinking about it. <laughs> I know you want to do it. Just do it. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Well, that gentleman also rescinded a trade offer that they sent me earlier this week. So I don't know, Scott. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, maybe you are getting close to making a deal. We'll find out. But first, let's get things started. Oh, my goodness gracious, from the weekend. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott, I'll let you go first if you have one. If you don't, I'll just go with mine. Well, I like yours more, but so as not to throw off the script, I will say Alex Kirilov. Oh, my goodness gracious. What has gotten into this guy for home runs in his last three games which means i think he's here to stay i know some of those some opposite field shots in there some center field shots he he looks good he looks good now the last two games he's also struck out three times i'd rather not see that i'd rather not see that but as i pointed out on friday's show uh the twins have the most favorable matchups of any team this upcoming week still at the you know, after the whole weekend of changes, still nothing but righties on the schedule. Kirilov, of course, bats left-handed. I moved him up from 10th in my sleeper hitters for this upcoming week to 2nd. Which uh, means you should probably get him active if you have him. I, I could understand how some three outfielder leagues is just like, nah, my, my guys are too good for that. But uh, I think he's here to stay. Clearly he's hot. Matchups are good. And uh, the time is right for Alex Kirilov to break through. I actually saw too, remember how he got off to such a slow start that you're like, what is this guy going to get sit down right away? But 
I think he set a record for RBI, 10 RBI in his first 11 games or something like that. Some kind of yeah, it's ten kind of Twins rookie record. I think it is the most by a Twins player through his first career 11 career games. 10 RBI for Alex Kirloff. The man go. is hot. He is 73% rostered on CBS. And even when he was first being called up, Scott, which was now that would be, I don't know, nine, 10 days ago, we said he should be added everywhere. So I, I'm surprised that it's not closer to 100% than, uh, than where it is right now for Alex Kirilov. So he, I, he was my, he was my single most drafted player this preseason as Obviously disappointed he didn't make the roster, but thankfully I had the discipline not to drop him. I'm pretty active here early in the season, so it, it took took a lot of discipline, but I'm I'm relieved now that I did not drop him. So I mentioned we're going to play a game a little bit later on. Add, hold, drop. So basically add and start, hold on your bench. This player you can drop. So uh, I did have an outfield trio involving Alex Kirilov, Scott. So... If I throw the, these three names at you, Kirilov, Rymel Tapia, who has seven hits over his last two games, 58% rostered, and Andrew Benintendi, who all of a sudden is hot, 10 hits over his last six games, including a double dong on Saturday, 51% rostered. Add one, hold one on your bench, and drop one between Kirilov, Tapia, Benintendi. Add Kirilov, hold Tapia. Adding's better than holding, right? Yeah. Okay, add Kirilov, <laughs> hold Tapia, at least if it's a steals league, and drop Benintendi. Fair enough. Well, I, I do like what I've seen from Benintendi. The, the best team, one of the best teams in baseball, the Kansas City Royals, a surprise team, which... Yeah, I, uh, his expected stats have bounced back to like 2019 standard, which, yeah. you know... It's still not great, I, I hear what you're saying. It's okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, he felt kind of Nick Markakis-y to me, <laughs> and I don't think... He doesn't have a steal yet, right, Benintendi? I, I believe he has multiple steals. He might even he might have three. <laughs> I don't think four. He's four out of seven. So he's running. I know he's <laughs> I know he's slowed down a lot. He probably shouldn't be stealing bats. So, okay, he has four steals. So he's, he's got to, he's, he's faster than Nick Markakis was um, in recent memory. But yeah, in terms of the kind of hitter he's going to be, I, I think he's going to leave much to be desired. All righty. So they will have more ad hold and drop later on in the podcast, but. My oh my goodness gracious player from Sunday, Corey Kluber is the Klubot back going up against the Detroit Tigers on Sunday. Eight shutout, two hits, one walk, 10 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 103 pitches. But of course, it comes with the caveat that the Tigers are the third worst team against right-handed pitching this season in terms of weighted on base average. They have the highest swinging strike rate in baseball. With that being said, I'm not trying to take things away from Kluber, but I do think that we have to put it into perspective. He used four different pitches between 18 and 29% uh, usage in this start. The fastball velocity was at 91 miles per hour for Kluber. That was 91.6 back in 2019. I mentioned his velocity was up, I think it was two or three starts ago, even though the results were not there. And I kept saying, he's a slow starter. He's a slow starter. And, and it, it, Yeah, it's been kind of going up. Yeah, and, and he typically is that slow starter. So, Scott, I, I'll just ask you the question. Is Corey Kluber back? I think so. I tweeted exactly that, you know, after his last start, which was against the Orioles. Um, I said, okay, this was a good enough signs here. He had 17 swinging strikes in that game, uh, went six and two-thirds innings. I think only had five strikeouts, but a lot of whiffs. Uh, the result 
was good. His fastball velocity was the highest it's been all season. I said, okay, I'm I'm no longer tempted to drop Corey Kluber after this start. Things are trending the right direction. And uh, then he turns in this one, which is just awesome. Now, the velocity, as you mentioned, it's not quite Corey Kluber in his prime, but he sustained it from that Orioles start. So he's reached a point where it's pretty close. And like the secondary stuff just looks great. He had such a high whiff rate on the changeup specifically in that start against the Orioles that I noticed he used it more in this start. And it was responsible for, uh, I believe, 13 of the 20 swinging strikes he got against the Tigers. And he has a deep secondary arsenal. The movement's still there. It looks like he's locating everything properly again. Just seems like in every way he, he, he could stand to improve, he's improved. And uh, I understand Baltimore, Detroit, two-week lineups. But I don't, I don't like when people say, just explain away a good start with that. Because, like, it's freaking baseball, you know? Like, You're supposed to uh, dominate the, the good matchups. That's what you are supposed to do. Well, yeah, and, but how often does that not happen? I mean, everybody who plays DFS know, okay, this, this, pitcher start, this good pitcher starting against a bad team and it's a slam dunk, and how often does it not end up going that way all the time? Because in baseball, even the worst teams win close to 40% of their games, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think particularly when you get back-to-back starts where things look really good, you know, that, that's, that's not... Uh, I think rarely is the opponent the number one explanation for a good start. It might be the number three or four explanation rarely is it number one. And then when you get it back to back times, I, I think saying that's all it is, is really, uh, is really missing a lot. Corey Kluber still rostered in 80% of 88% of CBS leagues. He was only started in 60%. So shout out to anybody out there who actually had Corey Kluber in the lineup, which Adam Azer and myself did in the podcast league. I believe Sean Millerick is actually in the YouTube chat. He's, I believe he's watching right now. So we were going up against him. I'm sorry, bud. 58 and a half points against you uh, from my man, Corey Kluber. Scott, I imagine he will be one of the biggest risers in terms of starting pitcher rankings this week. So I'm just trying to get an idea of how high he's going to move up. Are we going to get him up ahead of names like Chris Paddock? Yeah. Okay, so that means Kluber is going to get inside the top 50. How about Kluber or John Means? Who is... Well, John Means is... He's awesome, man. John Means business. I mean, he had a 22 whiff start over the weekend, and that was against the A's, who yeah. nobody can beat. I don't know. Maybe they've gone cold, but for a while there, it seemed like nobody... Have they gone cold? I don't even think they have. I haven't seen what they've done recently, but yeah. Anyway, clearly can't accuse that one on the matchup. So no, I would not move Kluber past means who is looking like maybe my best maybe my best singular call Frank John means yeah maybe. he's looked amazing 14% swinging strike rate for John means so far which is 10th among qualified starting pitchers entering Sunday's action so I think for me at least I'm going to get Kluber up ahead of Paddock ahead of Frankie Montas he's probably going to be right in this Michael Pineda Eduardo Rodriguez Nathan Avaldi range which would put him yeah. right inside the top 50 starting pitchers. Again, that is Corey Kluba. Quickly promote, the NFL draft may be over, but the analysis is just beginning. The Pick 6 NFL podcast will provide in-depth grades for what your favorite team did in the draft. The team will be breaking down picks 1 through 259 from all angles and even offering an early glimpse at the 2022 
NFL Draft. Follow Pick 6 wherever you find this podcast. Some news and notes, and there was a lot from the weekend, so let's get to it. Dustin May placed on the IL with a right with right arm soreness. May felt a shooting sens- sensation down his arm after delivering a pitch on Saturday. David Price is still out several weeks with a hamstring injury. Tony Gonsolin is being built up as a starter, but he's still about three to four weeks away from being available himself. So we don't really have much on Dustin May, Scott. We're still you know, waiting on an MRI, which I believe he's going to get on Monday. But yeah. is there any anybody that interests you here in the short term for the Dodgers, or do you think they just go with bullpen games for now? Well, to me, it, the Dustin May injury looks like it could be a long-term thing just based on the way he reacted, um, which isn't going on much, and, and, and maybe it'll turn out to be a fault. I, I can't imagine he'll avoid an IL stint entirely, but I, I'm, I'm anticipating an extended absence for him. Doesn't sound like Tony Gonsolin is close to ready. I mean, the Dodgers are kind of positioned to to withstand a lot of these blows. And, and David Price is still on the IL. I mean, Josiah Gray is pretty close. Uh, he he was already looking good at Double A in 2019. So if they're thinking they have a spot to fill for a while, I could see him maybe getting the call. I mean that would be the that would be the most exciting answer. But they might go a different direction. Josiah Gray has pitched 182 and a third in the minors. He is one of the top prospects for the Dodgers. A 2.37 ERA, 0.96 whip with 206 strikeouts. Scott, where would you rank Josiah Gray among the stashes right now? Uh, Mackenzie Gore, Logan Gilbert, he's behind both of those names. Yeah, I mean obviously if if he gets called up there's going to be immediate interest in him. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I'm not ready to presume that right now. I mean, they did just have Useta to start over the weekend. Edwin Useta. Mm-hmm. And Josiah Gray isn't on the 40-man roster. So, you know, obviously if, if Dustin May were to wind up on the 60-day IL, they'd have an open 40-man roster spot for Gray. But again, so that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. Josiah Gray, 12% rostered on CBS, but uh, remember the name. Don't need to stash him right now. Let's stick with the prospects. I mentioned that one is being called up on Monday. Daniel Lynch, former first-round pick in 2018, top-pitching prospect in the Royals organization, one of the top-pitching prospects. They have quite a few there. He will make his Major League debut on Monday against Cleveland, and they are moving Jake Junis. No, Scott, your boy, Jake Junis. (laughs) They're moving him to the bullpen. So I know. what the heck, man? We what's, could, what's a guy got to do? Yeah, I mean, he's looked pretty good, but I assume we could drop Jake Junis. What do we need to know about Daniel Lynch? He is 14% rostered on CBS. Is he a must-add right now? Mm, yeah, I mean, the fact that it sounds like they're making a spot for him just outright, not, not a one-and-done situation, not a let's-see-how-it-goes situation, just this is his job now. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. That's pretty close to must-add. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he's the, they had four pitchers taken in the first round in 2018. We've seen two of them in the majors already. Brady Singer, who's currently up, and we saw Chris Bubich last year. Of the four, I think Daniel Lynch, and, and I mean, the general consensus is Daniel Lynch is the most talented. He was top 25 prospect for Baseball America heading into the year. 
his strikeout rate in the mind, I mean, you know, 299 ERA in 2009, less than a strikeout per inning slightly. And the whip was kind of high. So they don't, the, the minor league numbers don't jump out at you. But I mean, I, having seen him this spring, he, he throws a lot harder than I thought he did. He, he hits like 97 as a left-hander. And um, spring numbers, I mean, they ended up not being so great on the whole, but he just looked like you, the talent was evident to me. So I could see Daniel Lynch being a pretty big deal. How would you rank uh, Daniel Lynch, Shane McClanahan, and Michael Kopech? Three prospecty pitchers who are all pretty exciting. Well, the one who's going to be most startable right away is uh, is Daniel Lynch because I think the Royals are going to use him like a traditional starter. I mean, based on based on what they've shown with Singer and and with Bubich last year, like they 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 were pretty aggressive with those guys, and they're just kind of an old school organization anyway, who isn't going to do the whole opener thing and isn't going to do the okay, you're starting to go three or this start is for you to go three or four innings and that's it. Like I don't really see them handling Lynch that way when I'm afraid McClanahan will be handled that way. So it, it kind of just depends what you need. I, I mean, I would have a hard time giving up Kopech personally, who's remaining stretched out. He made a, he, he went three, he had a three inning relief appearance over the weekend. And I think, you know, anything go that goes wrong in that rotation, Kopech's going to be back and maybe to stay. Um, McClanahan was the most popular pickup in the industry 15-team leagues during uh, this week's run of Fab. I saw him go for 255 bucks in one of mine. I got him for 27 in one of mine. I don't know. Everyone else was asleep at the wheel, I guess. <laughs> but I do worry about how often he's going to go even five innings, much less six. So I know I'm kind of delaying just answering your question here. But I, it kind of depends what you need. Like in terms of ultimate upside, I would go Kopech and McClellan. And then Lynch, in terms of I need somebody to start right now, I'd probably flip it and go Lynch at the top. Fair enough. Shout out to the Royals, too. I really like their aggressiveness with calling up their prospects the past couple of seasons. It doesn't always work out that way, but you know they're making some noise right now, and, and they're calling up one of their best prospects. So again, the name there, Daniel Lynch. George Springer was removed in the sixth inning Sunday due to general fatigue. Manager Charlie Montoyo had this to say, quote, we're going to be careful with him, so we took him out. It was the best thing for him. Jesus Lozardo was placed on the 10-day IL with a fractured left pinky finger he suffered while playing video games. I mean... <laughs> he on, bumped like, to the table. Is what is that? Report that? He clearly... <laughs> got, whatever game he was playing, he was losing. So, Jesus Lozardo, I mean, give it up. You've got, you've got to find a new hobby bumped because table. I've, I've, I've bumped a table while playing video games myself <laughs> as well. And it involves, you know, punching something because you're losing at the video games. So, that's such like a, an 11 year old answer when <laughs> your parents are like, what happened? I was yeah. playing a video game and I, I, I bumped the table. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Freaking. Whack to the table, throwing a tantrum. Oh, gosh. Uh, we're holding Jesus Lazardo, right, Scott? Yeah, of course. I mean, the hairline fracture in the pinky, and they even started through it. I, I imagine it's it's going to be a pretty short absence. Uh, I'm not going to say just one turn or even two, but not much longer than that. And Yeah, I mean, too talented to drop it. Probably have an IL spot you can stash him in. Edwin Diaz left Sunday Night Baseball with back tightness. He gave up three runs on two hits and two walks. Scott, if anything comes from this, who do you think would be the next man up? Yuri Familia closed out the game 
after Edwin Diaz left and picked up picked up the save, but Trevor May is actually the one that they spent money on in the offseason. So if you had to pick one, just in case. If I had to pick one, I'd pick I'd pick May. Aries Familia, of course, has closing experience, so it's possible. It's possible they just go committee, but I mean I'd try not to overthink it. May's the setup man. May's the second most talented pitcher in the bullpen, so I'd say May. Max Freed is set to start Wednesday against the Washington Nationals. Travis Darno tore a ligament in his left thumb and was placed on the 60-day IL. William Contreras, brother of the Cubs' Wilson Contreras, was in the Braves lineup and batting eighth Sunday. Scott, any interest in William Contreras in two catcher leagues? Yeah, I mean, I think there's upside there. Uh, Austin Jackson, who was the I don't know if you mentioned that. Austin Jackson, who was backing up Travis Darno, also went on the IL. So, like, it's they they added um, Jeff Mathis, I think it was. He's he's now backing up Contreras, and yeah, I think William Contreras he, he made a pretty good impression last year actually when uh, Darno was on the IL to begin the season, and there's definite upside with the bat. He might, you know, obviously he's young, he's inexperienced. We don't know how this extended run is going to go, but it wouldn't at all surprise me if he, if he's a, a desirable option and in, in, if he proves to be a desirable option in two catcher leagues. Scott, just letting you know, you said Austin Jackson for the backup catcher for the Braves. And I was like, wait, Austin Jackson. I don't think he's been Alex. around for a while. Alex Jackson. Sorry, yeah. No, no, it's, it's fine. I just, I was like, wait, did I miss something? Austin Jackson is, is back in baseball. And then I almost <laughs> forgot Jeff Mathis's name too. So like, well, I, I mean, know. it is, I don't know. It is Jeff Mathis we're talking about, Scott, so I think that's all right. Ian Happ was carted <laughs> off the field Sunday. Yeah, my birthday. I remember that about him. <laughs> Ian Happ was carted off the field Sunday against the Reds after a collision in the outfield with teammate Nico Horner, so pay attention to that for lineup lock on Monday. Luis Robert is headed to the IL with a right hip flexor strain. He had to be carried off the field. He couldn't put any weight on his right leg. I would expect that this is more than 10 days for him, but... That's just my speculation. I was watching it. It, it looked pretty bad at the time. Alejandro, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of injuries this weekend. <laughs> seriously, man. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, another one, placed on the 10-day IL with a left hip flexor discomfort. Uh, Omar Nervaez set to miss two weeks with a left hamstring strain. Jordan Hicks is due to undergo imaging tests on his elbow slash forearm when the Cardinals return to St. Louis on Monday. Luis Severino is expected to face live hitters May 10th or May 11th for the first time since undergoing Tommy John surgery. Severino is expected back sometime in July-ish. Marco Gonzalez was placed on the IL with a left forearm strain a few days ago, but is already throwing off flat ground. He should be good to go soon. Chris Paddock was placed on the IL for unspecified reasons on Friday, so that sounds like a COVID situation, so kind of just got to play that day by day. Juan Soto, dealing with a shoulder, is throwing from 120 feet on Sunday and will need to practice throwing to bases before being cleared to return from the injured list. Roberto Perez has a non-displaced fracture in his right ring finger, but is expected to play through the injury after getting a couple days of rest. Antonio Sendatello was placed on the IL with a right groin strain. Fran Mil Reyes was placed on the paternity list Saturday, which means he could be back Monday or Tuesday. Guillermo Heredia was placed on the IL with a right hamstring with right hamstring inflammation. Christian Pache was recalled and hit a grand slam on Saturday. Scott, any interest in Pache? Not yet. He's two in the hole. 
Austin Nola and Victor Caratini are set to split catching duties for the time being. Uh, should Austin Nola even be rostered in one catcher leagues right now while he's splitting time? Ah, uh, yeah, he should be rostered. He should be rostered. I, I, I'm having that. I'm having that dilemma in one of my leagues actually because I, I had him stashed in an IL spot. I already have Mitch Garver and Dom Nunez. Do I want to use a keep using a bench spot on Nola if I didn't have two good options already in my lineup? I just start Nola, you know. But mm-hmm. no, I'd, I'd rather have Nola than than William Contreras. Wilson Contreras missed two straight games with right thigh tightness. Cole Calhoun underwent surgery on his left hamstring on Friday. The recovery time for his procedure was three to four weeks. Bryce Harper returned to the lineup on Sunday. Brian Anderson is expected back Tuesday for the Marlins. Mike Stremski could return as soon as Friday for the Giants. Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain are both expected to be activated sometime during their series with the Phillies, which begins on Monday. Scott, does that mean you should get Christian Yelich back in all of your lineups, even three outfielder leagues? I would say probably. It depends what else you have, obviously. If you can play it safe, I don't think it's a bad idea, but you need some really good alternatives, obviously. Shogo Akiyama is on track to debut for the Reds this week. Miguel Sano should return sometime midweek. Your mean Mercedes is expected to sit both Tuesday and Wednesday in Cincinnati without the designated hitter. Shohei Otani was uh, his right elbow was sore after being hit by a pitch on Sunday, which means he might not actually have two starts as a starting pitcher was expected to start on Monday. So uh, pay attention to that news as well. A few eligibility notes. Nick Senzel has four games at second base, while Alex Kirloff has four games at first base. So if you play on CBS, it is five games played this season to gain that eligibility. Kirloff and Senzel could each get those eligibilities very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. sh- shout out to Chris Bryant, man. I just, not really much more to say outside of I look like a complete fool because <laughs> Chris Bryant, three more hits and a double dong on Sunday. Nine home runs are tied for the league lead. He's betting 323 with an 11 14 OPS. As long as he stays healthy, the guy looks like he's going to have an absolute massive season. He's trying to get paid. He's playing for a contract. So just wanted to. Give a nice little shout out there to Chris Bryant, who has been awesome thus far. Scott, I wanted to get your thoughts quickly on each of these starting pitchers. And let's emphasize the quick because there's a lot to get to. Patrick Corbin against the Miami Marlins this weekend. Seven innings of two-run ball. He has three-plus walks in four of five starts this season. The numbers still kind of look all over the place. Should you just try and get anything you can for Patrick Corbin while he's pitching decent right now? Man, I don't trust him. The velocity has actually been pretty good recently, mm-hmm. uh, so that doesn't seem to be the issue, but there's been a lot more bad than good still. So, And even a good start like this, I mean, the the walks and strikeouts weren't what you want to see. So, yeah, it, it, this might be a good time to shop him coming off a decent start. Would you rather have Corbin or Chris Paddock? Paddock. Fair enough. Danny Duffy was at the Twins. Another great start. Seven innings of one-run ball. Three walks, seven strikeouts. Trying to figure out what is he doing differently, Scott? Is it really just the velocity? Because it is way up this year. Um, Danny Duffy. Yeah. Sell high or keep the guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it depends how high you can sell, of course. I, I, 
haven't been motivated to do that because it's Danny Duffy and I just expect the people in my league are going to be naturally distrustful of him. But yeah, I think I think the velocity has a lot to do with it. His fastball has always been good for a fastball at getting swings and misses. And when he was throwing this hard before, that was that was in his prime years when he looked like an emerging ace and he got a big contract from the Royals because of it. And you look at the the, the swinging strike rate on his fastball back then, it was really good. So his fastball is just a naturally good pitch. You bump it up a couple miles per hour, it's going to be that much better. Well, you probably won't be able to pull this off in most leagues, but if you can trade Danny Duffy for Luis Castillo right now, should you do it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually did trade away Luis Castillo in, uh, in our podcast league, the original podcast league, the head-to-head points league. Somebody offered it to me. Joe Musgrove straight up for Luis Castillo. And I took it. And then Musgrove had a bad start today. <laughs> After an abbreviated start last time, I don't know if I'd call it bad. Some, for some reason, he only went three innings. Um, but, you know, it wasn't so great today. I'd still do it. But there are, like, Luis Castillo's start over the weekend, the results were nothing special. He's just another kind of meh stat line, which is basically been what they've all been since that awful first start. But his velocity was back, all the way back, for the first time this season. It was up, averaged 97 miles per hour on his fastball. Uh, and, and actually, I saw that from a lot of pitchers whose velocity I was worried about. This weekend, they got it back. Jack Flaherty is another one. His was all the way back. Uh, there were a couple more examples. So I don't, I don't know what that says. Maybe we just... Shouldn't overreact to velocity in the first month of the season. Uh, but yeah, Luis Castillo's looked all the way back. And if, if that's the case, then I I have a pretty good feeling he's going to bounce back completely. But yeah, I still prefer Musgrove. I'm, I'm buying into Musgrove even after Sunday's awful start. Well, bad start. Max Scherzer was another one of those starting pitchers, Scott. He threw a complete yep. game against the Marlins. He averaged 94.7 miles per hour on his fastball coming into Sunday that he was averaging 93.5. So up a little bit there for Max Scherzer, which if you have him on your team, you love to see it. For Castillo, the main things I've noticed for him this year is uh, the the swinging strike rate is way down. It's been up over 15% each of the past two seasons. So far this year, that's 10.9%. And his batting average on balls and plays, Babbitt, is 368 so far this season. That's 282 for his career. So if you assume this... Velocity spike with his fastball kind of helps his swinging strike rate get back on track and, and his his BABIP just kind of regresses to where he's been for his career, then uh, yes, you should be buying Luis Castillo on the cheap right now. Charlie Morton has allowed four plus earned runs in three of his last four starts. He has a 5.08 ERA, but that also comes with a 3.42 XFIP and a 3.36 expected ERA. Scott, any actual concern on Morton or buy low if you can? I'd buy low. I, I couldn't really see anything that raised a red flag for me. So I'd buy low. Would you trade Duffy for him straight up if you could? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I would do it as well. Uh, you mentioned red flags. Is this a red flag for Trevor Rogers? He was at the Nationals. And look, he's not going to maintain a whatever two ERA for the entire season. So it's fine for him to scuffle a little bit. Five innings, three runs, six strikeouts against the Nationals. But his slider usage, I noticed, has now been down Three starts in a row. His first three starts, he used the slider 22% of the time. His last three, he's used it just 10% of the time. 
Is there anything that you could take away from this, Scott? Because I was I couldn't find anything myself, but mm-hmm. it is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, and the whiffs were down the last two starts too. To I wouldn't say an ordinary number, still a good number, but not the crazy numbers we were seeing early in the season when he was throwing his slider even more than his changeup. So I don't I don't know why I got away from it. It's not a pitch he showed much faith in last year. Um, really worked to develop it in spring training. I don't know. I don't know why he started to fade it. Hopefully it doesn't last long. I was I, I had a what I thought was a sweetheart offer to Chris for Trevor Rogers, who he'd put on the market in my dynasty league. And I, I took it away because I got a little got a little spooked. I was giving up a lot for Trevor Rogers. Uh, Chris might disagree since he hadn't accepted the trade, but felt like a lot to me. Zach Plesek had a mixed bag on Sunday, Scott, against the White Sox. So just wanted to see if you were encouraged by this. He was another one. The fastball averaged 94.2 miles per hour in this start. That was 92.6. Uh, did I just say that? I think it was... He averaged 94.2 in this start. It was 92.6 entering this start. Five and two-thirds shutout against the White Sox. Sh- six strikeouts for Zach Plesak. Uh What is wow. this encouraging? What do you think, Scott? I had a lot to say about Plesak, and I hadn't even noticed that jump in velocity. So, yeah. Um, third time's the charm against the White Sox, apparently, because he got good results, more or less. Still not as good as we hoped for. Pitch mix, yeah, the fastball was back to being his most used pitch. It, you know, he was he was so good last year because he mixed in his secondaries more, and he was struggling at the start of the season. I thought because he'd went away from that, and then he went back to it. And yeah, just the pitch usage has been all over the place. The results have been all over the place. Um, it was this was his best start in terms of whiffs, so I took that as a good sign. It was his worst start in terms of walks. I mean, efficiency is kind of the main things he has has going for him. He had three walks all season, and he had four in this start. So really, everything all over the place for Zach Plesak. But the whiff rate being up, the fact that this was his third time facing the White Sox in four starts, and they pummeled him the first two times, um, and then he, you know, got back at them this time. I. That was pretty encouraging to me. I also think it's worth pointing out, even though his ERA is around 450, four of his six starts have been good. So, I, I don't know. I, whenever anybody's asked me if they could, should consider dropping Plesak for some other guy, I automatically say no. I, I don't feel like everybody else who analyzes fantasy baseball has uh, been that hardline about it, but I, I, I still think it's... There, there are enough positive signs that I, I wouldn't want to give him up. Normally, I would hate any starting pitcher to have four walks in a start. But if you remember the past couple of times we were talking about Plesak, I mentioned I thought he was living in the zone too much. So I, I kind of wanted him to throw a little bit, you know, get out of the zone the way that you know Bieber had that issue when he first came up. He was living too much in the zone and giving up a lot of hard contact. So Plesak pitched around the White Sox a little bit in this one. He wound up with four walks, but ultimately it was one of his better starts of the season. So maybe if, if this is something where he can build off of it and, and throw out of the zone a little bit more, uh, I think obviously you don't, you'd rather less walks than more walks, but I actually think that this was pretty encouraging for Zach Plesak. The last name I wanted to bring up, Julio Arias at the Brewers. Is it finally happening? Seven innings of one-run ball, 10 strikeouts to zero walks, 17 swinging strikes on 90 pitches, 
Granted, going up against the Brewers, no Christian Yelich in the lineup. That's fine, but he looked phenomenal in this start. And Julio Arias has thrown six-plus innings in four of six starts. He only has six walks total in six starts, which usually has been a huge issue for Arias in the past. Scott, is it finally happening? I think there's a good chance, yeah. I, I, I've been surprised that you mentioned four, four starts and six with six-plus innings. Three of those starts, seven-plus innings. And I'm not sure... I meant to go back through the game log and just ran out of time. But I'm not sure he had ever had even a single seven-inning start. Let me go back to his rookie season. No, he didn't have one then. I don't know. I could keep going. But yeah, three seven-inning starts this season for Julio Arias. I, I thought the Dodgers were going to limit his innings more than that. I mean, just based on history, based on the fact they had so many alternatives. And I wonder if maybe part of the plan is to just get their innings with him now. And then later in the season, they can get innings from Tony Gonsolin, maybe kind of shift Arias to the bullpen or something as a multi-inning reliever. I, I have a hard time believing they're going to let him throw a hundred plus or 180 plus innings after a year in which he threw 55 uh, the year before 79 and two thirds, you know, and then the year before that he was, lost with a shoulder injury. So that that would seem really aggressive and out of character. But the Dustin May injury could change things. I don't know. If it's if it's like a season ender, then uh, then suddenly their pitching depth is compromised and maybe they'll need to rely on Arias more. And I think it's finally happening for Julio Arias. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we have add, hold, and drop for a glut of waiver wire options from this weekend. We'll do that next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So let's play a little add, hold, and drop. And when I say add, I am assuming we are starting this player. If I say hold, we're keeping this person on our bench. And drop, it's obvious we're, we're getting this player off our team and we'll su- assume a 12-team league. Scott, if you just need a corner infielder, Jesus Aguilar hit another home run on Saturday, 77% rostered, so this is more of a shallower league conversation. Um, Austin Riley, 14 hits now over his last seven games. He's batting 329. He's 61% rostered. Andrew Vaughn, two more hits on Sunday. He's batting 275. He's 62% rostered. Add, hold, drop. Aguilar, Riley, Vaughn. I would... I, I would add Aguilar. That's the best one, right? Yep. I would hold Vaughn, and I'd drop Riley. But I do have... <sighs> So it's add Hayes Aguilar, add and start, hold on to Andrew Vaughn, and drop Austin Riley. Outfield part one. Nope, we already did this one. Let me drop one. Somebody's like complaining in the comments. Like, I had to drop one, okay? I didn't have a choice. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Austin Riley's in my sleeper hitters for this week. All right, just relax. Well, we're, look, we're giving Scott the hard questions, man. These are the questions that we keep receiving. So I'm. You know, can't can't have everyone on your team. Uh, Starting pitchers part one. Robbie Ray was up against the Braves on Friday. Six and two-thirds, two earned, zero walks, five strikeouts, zero walks allowed over the last two starts 
for Robbie Ray. He is 54% rostered. Madison Bumgarner was up against the Colorado Rockies on Friday. Five innings of one-run ball with six strikeouts. Andrew Heaney. This always happens with Andrew Heaney, man. Just when I think it's happening, it's it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, he was at yeah. the Mariners this weekend. Three and a third, four earned, five strikeouts. Scott, add, hold, and drop. Robbie Ray, Madison Bumgarner, Andrew Heaney. Add Robbie Ray, whose velocity is the best it's ever been. The average 96 on his fastball in this most recent start. I will hold Madison Bumgarner, who has sustained his velocity gains. Remember those seven no-hit innings against the Braves last time. Velocity was up. It was it remained up in this latest start, and he's now allowed a combined two earned runs, I believe it is, over his last three starts. So Madison Bumgarner, maybe, maybe, maybe he's back. And then I'll drop Heaney because, like, yeah, I mean, he might have the best strikeout potential of these three, but I just, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be to a point where I trust him because he's just two home run prone, three home runs in the start over the weekend. Felt like that was going to come for him, and it did. Scott, which matchup do you like more, Robbie Ray at Oakland or Madison Bumgarner at the Marlins? Bumgarner at the Marlins. All right. So if anyone has that decision, there you go. So if you are in a categories league and you need a middle infielder, Scott, add, hold, and drop. These three. Isaiah Kiner-Falef has eight hits over his last five games. He now has five homers and five steals on the season. He's, he's Right. I, I noticed that, too. That's like a near 30-30 pace. He's been awesome. Very ne- quietly. Nico Horner has also been awesome. He's multiple hits in three of his last four games. He has three steals during that span. He's 43% rostered. Kevin Biggio. He went over three on Sunday. He's betting 178. He has a 600 OPS, two homers on the season, zero stolen bases. He's 97% rostered. Scott, you're in a categories league. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Nico Horner, Kevin Biggio. Add, keep, or hold, and drop. Okay. Okay. I will add Nico Horner. Yeah, already up to three steals for Horner. He has six doubles also. Just a line drive machine there. I will hold Kevin Biggio, who I'm quickly losing faith in, but I just think it's too soon to drop him. I'll, I'll drop Kiner Falefa, even though, as I said, he's on a near 30-30 pace. <laughs> I, I just think the upside is the lowest for him, and uh, you're least likely to regret dropping him. Let's move a little bit faster with these. In a one-catcher league, Sean Murphy has six hits over his last six games, including three home runs. Mitch Garver went two for five with his fifth home run on Sunday. He has started four of the past five games but he does have 28 strikeouts, just three walks on the season. James McCann is batting 215. So, Scott, one catcher league, add, hold, and drop. Murphy, Garver, McCann. I'll add, Garver, hold, McCann, drop Murphy. Fair enough. Starting pitchers part two. These are maybe in deeper, deeper-ish deeper leagues, uh, but Wade Miley, who now has a 2.67 ERA and a 0.96 whip, he is 48% rostered. Griffin Canning at the Seattle Mariners this weekend, five and a third, one run, nine strikeouts, 24 swinging strikes for Griffin Canning. Carlos Martinez at the Pirates on Sunday, eight shutout with three strikeouts. So Scott, between Miley, Griffin Canning, and Carlos Martinez, add, hold, drop those three. Yeah, add Canning, who 
that was a crazy swinging strike number he had over the weekend. And yeah, I, I, a lot of up and down from him, but I think clearly the most upside of this group. I know Carlos Martinez has been a thing in the past, a very recent past. Three straight quality starts, a combined two earned runs between them, but only 20 strikeouts and 36 and a third innings this year. His ground ball rate is actually down to his XFIP is 560. So Carlos Martinez is actually my drop. Wade Miley, I don't think is any good, but I'd be more likely to use him than than Carlos Martinez, except maybe this way. Carlos Martinez does have, um, well, no, never mind. He was a two-star pitcher, but obviously he's not anymore because he just started Sunday. So yeah, just forget that part. Add Canning, hold Miley, drop Martinez. I don't mind the uh, streaming Carlos Martinez this week. He's going up against the Rockies on, it's either Thursday or Friday, but it's the first game after a series in Coors Field, which Chris has pointed out they usually lag in that first game after Coors. Uh, And Wade Miley is going up against Cleveland. They are 23rd in weighted on base average versus left-handed pitching. Uh, I agree with how you set this up here, Scott, but I do think if you just need some streamers, they are pretty good matchups there. Outfield part two. Willie Calhoun is on a nine-game hitting streak. He's batting 347. Please, make it happen. I'm so happy for you, Willie. He's batting 347 with an 886 OPS. He's 40% rostered. Tyler O'Neill has multiple hits in four of his last five games. He has five homers and two steals overall. 37% rostered. Austin Hayes hit three home runs over the weekend and starting consistently for the Baltimore Orioles. He is 30% rostered, Scott. So add, hold, and drop. Willie Calhoun, Tyler O'Neill. Austin Hayes. Add, add, add Willie Calhoun, who yes. I I was looking to add this weekend, even in my shallowest leagues. Low strikeout guy. He started against a lefty and had a homer and a double. Neither was against the lefty, but still, <laughs> he started against a lefty and had a good day. Um, so definitely add Calhoun. I would hold O'Neill, I guess, though a lot of strikeouts there, and drop Hayes. Just a hitter in general in a categories league, Scott. Who would you be most interested in here? Dylan Moore had four hits over the weekend, including a home run, and definitely did not have five steals, so I don't know why I wrote that. He probably had a few steals, uh, but he is continuing to run. I think he has six steals so far in the season, Dylan Moore does. 46% rostered. AJ Pollock on Sunday, he went three for six with two home runs and eight RBI. He has started five straight games for the Dodgers. And Keston Hira, he has been the opposite. He has started one of his last five games for the Brewers, He's batting 152. He has 32 strikeouts in 26 games. Add, hold, drop, more Pollock, Hiera. Okay, I will... For a categories league, not for a points league. Okay. Uh, man, I guess I'll add Pollock, hold, more. <laughs> I, <don't>, I can't <laughs> drop Hiera, can I? Over more? No, I guess I'll have to drop more and hold Hiera. <laughs> Fair enough. We do have a few more deep... Deep League options coming up, but I just want to quickly remind people again, subscribe to our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. If you haven't, you go to cbssports.com slash newsletters. Every morning, it's in your inbox. Just punch your email in there. Get it sent to you for free, 100% free. Dan Schneier and myself, we tag team that uh, every morning, and it's a lot of the notes that we go over on the rundown here, waiver wire ads, bullpen updates, everything you need to know. And join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash fantasy baseball today you could actually find both links in the podcast description a lot of great questions being asked there so if you have one yourself or if you just want to get in on the discussion again join our fantasy baseball today facebook group if you are in a deeper league scott few hitters that might be available 
Which one is your favorite? Josh Harrison is, I, it seems gross, but like he just keeps hitting right now. He's seven game hitting streak. He's batting 361. He's got a 959 OPS, 13% rostered is Josh Harrison. Harrison Bader returned on Friday. He has two hits, including a home run and a steal in three games. Matt Beatty for the Dodgers. He went four for six on Sunday. He hit his first home run, seven RBI in that game. It was just Crazy game for the Dodgers. Uh, he has started three straight games. And Mike Talkman, he went one for four with his first home run with the Giants on Sunday. He had four RBI. He is 8% rostered, Scott. So Josh Harrison, Harrison Bader, Matt Beatty, Mike Talkman. If you're in a deeper league. If I'm in a deeper league, probably Talkman's the most interesting to me because I, I think he has... I think he has the most upside and, and I think he has... The best chance, other than Harrison, of of continuing to of, of actually becoming a full time player. Beatty's obviously starting because he's uh, the Dodgers are shorthanded right now. I don't think there's a ton of upside. I mean, there's some pop there, but that's pretty much it. And 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 yeah, Bader, Bader's. I, I say Bader is kind of like another Alex Kier, um, not Alex Kirloff, another Kevin Kiermeyer in terms of being a defensive specialist who isn't totally devoid of power and speed, but it's just not enough. How about from the starting pitchers in deeper leagues, Scott, which one interests you most? Logan Webb has quality starts in back-to-back starts for him. Uh, He went up against the Padres this weekend, six innings, three runs, four strikeouts. He's at Colorado this week. That's not great. Garrett Richards was at the Texas Rangers, five innings of one-run ball with seven strikeouts. He is 19% rostered. Mike Fultonevich up against the Red Sox on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts, 14% rostered. Jose Urania at the Yankees. Seven mm. innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Four straight starts for Urania, allowing just two runs while going at least seven in each of those. He has a 60% ground ball rate as well. Uh, and then David Peterson is the other name. He had five innings of one-run ball with eight strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes. So Logan Webb, Garrett Richards, Mike Fultonevich, Jose Urania, David Peterson, Scott. The one I'm interested in most by far, it's not even just a deep league pickup. Picked him up in a bunch of leagues is Garrett Richards, who this start uh, with the seven strikeouts and five innings, he had 14 swinging strikes in this start. And um, that was coming off a start. Remember, he had 10 strikeouts against the Mets, 15 swinging strikes in that game. He talked after that game about a mechanical adjustment he had been working on in between turns, and and it yielded immediate results, and those results carried over to this next start. You know, it wasn't that long ago that... It actually was a while ago, but he... A lot of missed years because of injury. Garrett Richards used to be like an up-and-coming number two type for the Angels. And uh, I, think, I think he might be onto something here. So definitely interested in him. The others... Um, I could see Arania being like a useful streamer type. He has been that from time to like if the ground ball rate's gonna be that high, but you know, the four straight seven innings, no more than two earned runs in any of them. That's that's obviously not gonna last. It's a four eighteen X FIP four eleven X E R A. Uh so not a ton of interest there, but worth speaking about, obviously. I am Kind of curious about David Peterson because his pitch selection's kind of been all over the place and, and the swinging strikes have been all over the place. And, you know, he was more of a ground ball guy last year and not so much this year. I, I think he's still kind of figuring out what kind of pitcher he wants to be. 
And uh, there have been times where he looks pretty impressive, but I'm not really ready to trust in David Peterson. And for Garrett Richards, if you're just looking for a streamer this week, he's at the Baltimore Orioles, which hmm. it's a hitter's park and, you know, could see some home runs there, but uh, they do swing and miss quite a bit. So Garrett Richards uh, has been getting those whiffs recently. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates from the weekend on Friday for the Phillies. Sam Coonrod picked up his first save with Hector Neris being used three of the prior four days. Uh, Hector Neris also allowed a go-ahead home run in a tie game on Saturday for the Mets. Already mentioned Edwin Diaz left Sunday's game, but he did pick up his third save on Saturday. On Friday for the Marlins, Yimi Garcia gave up a walk-off homer to Kyle Schwarber. It was Garcia's first blown save of the season. For the Reds, the carousel just continues to go round and round. I have no idea what is going on in Cincinnati. Sean Doolittle was used in the sixth. Lucas Sims came in in the seventh. He allowed two runs. TJ Antone came in in the eighth. He allowed four runs. That whole game was just crazy, the Cubs and Reds game. Um, Were they going to use Amir Garrett in the ninth if they had the lead? I don't know. Were they going to let TJ Antone... Antone go back out there for the ninth? I don't know. Do you know, Scott? Because I don't. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> um, I'm kind of leaning toward Doolittle just because he's the only one who's not disqualifying himself right now. And he got the most recent save. Obviously, him being used in the sixth inning of this game. I think that's doesn't. two appearances in a row he's been used in the sixth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a strong leaning. I, I actually <laughs> dropped Garrett for Doolittle in a league this weekend and I'm maybe that was a very bad decision I don't know but I feel like like if I was managing the Reds I'd be going with Doolittle right now so whatever that's worth uh, yeah I hear you and, and I've kind of made some aggressive moves myself in terms of uh, the Daniel Bard Rocky situation I yeah. I don't know that Michael Givens is going to be the closer in waiting or if he is the next man up but I have already dropped Daniel Bard in a few leagues uh, for Michael Givens uh, Daniel Bard was using the bottom of the eighth inning in a tie game on Sunday. He allowed four runs. His ERA is now 9.00. And mm-hmm. Michael Givens has just been a lot better. So I think... Yeah, and he has, he has some closing experience, obviously. I I picked up Givens in Tout Wars and TGFBI. I picked up Robert Stevenson also in Tout Wars. He would, he would be maybe the other choice there if they didn't want to go with Givens. They have a they have another gentleman there that throws a hundred miles per hour and his stuff yeah. is filthy. Yeah. I was trying to look up the name. That's why I started talking slower. <laughs> his name is Justin Lawrence. Yes. And yeah, he's, he's kind of the side armor with a hundred mile per hour cutter. And you go 2019, his minor league numbers were pretty awful, but you look before that and they were good. And uh, I don't know. I, I think teams generally shy away from young guys for saves because of arbitration that the effect it could have on arbitration down the road, especially a team that's not going anywhere like the Rockies. Uh, but m- maybe Lawrence could, could factor in if, if everybody else struggles, Justin Lawrence, a few other situations we need to know about for the Oakland A's Lou Trevino picked up his fifth save on Sunday. Jake Diekman was used in the seventh inning for the Mariners. Here we go again. Kendall Graveman was used in the eighth. Rafael Montero was used in the ninth for his fourth save of the season. Four four out of eight, Rafael Montero. Now, it's worth pointing out, Kendall Graveman was facing, like, the heart of the order. 
in the eighth. So it was it was the higher leverage situation than the ninth, and maybe maybe that maybe it would have been reversed otherwise. We don't know, but it sure looks like Montero's still the closer. There was a lot of other things that happened this weekend. I can I just run through some of this stuff. I mean, if there's anything that stands out to you, Scott, that you would like to highlight from this weekend, uh, Shane Bieber set a record. He has eight plus strikeouts in 18 straight games that passed Randy Johnson before him. Uh, Tasker Hernandez returned on Friday. He went two for five with a home run and three RBI. Freddie Peralta against the Dodgers looked. It didn't get a lot of swinging strikes, but six innings of one run ball with seven strikeouts against that lineup, I think was. Definitely noteworthy. Josh Bell, maybe he's coming around. He went two for four with a double and four RBI on set. And they sat him on Sunday, and Ryan Zimmerman hit a home run. That was annoying. Yeah, off of Trevor Rogers. Find his groove. Come on. Uh, Jameson Tyone, five innings, one run, eight strikeouts against the Tigers. It's a good matchup against the Tigers, obviously. Uh, Tyone has a 5.24 ERA, but a 3.81 XFIP and a 2.88 expected ERA. He also has a career best 12.8 percent swinging strike rate. Tyone is not giving you volume right now in terms of innings, but he has looked pretty good. So I would try my best to uh, hold on to Tyone. I think as we go further into the season, they will uh, hopefully not be as cautious with him and let him go a little bit deeper into his starts. Jack Flaherty, we mentioned he had a quality start this weekend, nine strikeouts, but the velocity was up 94.7 miles per hour on the fastball. That was 93.4 entering the start. Blake Snell picked up his first win with the Padres, but has now gone 20 straight regular season starts without completing six innings. Not great for points leagues. Well, and postseason, too. He didn't have one in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, if I would have included the post, I mean, it's probably something like 23, 24 straight starts where he has not completed six. So Um, too many, too many. Jared Walsh, Jared Walsh is awesome. Six-game hitting streak. He's batting 356 within with a 1044 OPS. Max Scherzer had a complete game. We mentioned that. Eugenio Suarez, maybe a sign of things to come, went three for five with his fifth home run of the season on Sunday. Austin Meadows, similarly, went one for three with a three-run bomb himself. His fifth home run of the season. Scott, anything else from the weekend that you wanted to mention that we haven't? Remember when I had uh, Austin Gomber as a... That's one of the the at gunpoint you have to pick a streamer pitcher. Yeah, he had a quality start. Said, Let, let's do it just for the lulls. Well, yeah, he had a quality start. I I mean, he's not good. Um oh, I wanted to talk about Lance McCullers start on Friday because he went seven strong, seven shutout innings, struck out nine, 21 swinging strikes. Now, of those 21, 11 came on his changeup, which he threw 29% of the time which is curious because this is a guy who pretty much throws his curveball 50% of the time and really lives or dies with that pitch. Obviously, couldn't throw 50% of the time when he's throwing his changeup 29% of the time. He says it's a pitch he's been working on. said he had a good feel before, before the game, and Martin Maldonado kept calling it. And uh, he got good results with it. He, he said he's interested in mixing it in more because he's feel he feels like he's leaving too many deep starts on the table, basically. Not quoting him, but... That's that's the message he was conveying. So maybe maybe he's going to have uh, a legit third pitch there and it'll help him break break out even more. Uh, JT Brubaker on Friday, five innings, three earned runs. Nothing impressive about that, but he had 20 swinging strikes in that game against the Cardinals, which, of course, caught my eye. Hadn't 
He's he's had a good year overall, two sixty three RA through five starts, but that was that that start really stands out in terms of the swinging strikes. It's been more ground balls that he's succeeded with. Uh, Lance Lynn in his return from the IL, remember he had that shoulder muscle injury. His his velocity was down one mile per hour. Only had two strikeouts in five innings. You know, I, I'm not I'm not worried necessarily, but it is noteworthy. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Oh, Josh Rojas homered in three straight games. Oh, he was supposed to be part of uh, add head holder or drop. Yeah that that streak that streak was snapped Sunday, but he was in the lineup again. Yeah, uh, his numbers look really good lately. Seems to be seems seems like that's that hot spring training wasn't a total fluke after all. Uh, anything else? Definitely in deeper categories league. I I saw a few bids for him in some fifteen teamers where he was available, and I well, think triple eligible. I mean, yeah, yeah. Josh Rojas, get him if you do play in a deeper categories league. He's finally coming around a little bit. I and think it, that's basically all I have. Uh, let's do to stream or not to stream for Monday and Tuesday, and then we will wrap it on up. Here's Scott. Choose three of these for Monday. Aaron Sanchez at the Rockies. Daniel Lynch versus Cleveland. Vince Velasquez versus the Brewers. Dane Dunning at the Twins. Adam Wainwright versus the Mets. And Dean Kramer at the Mariners. Uh, I will say Wainwright number one there, presuming he comes off the COVID IL. Correct. Um. And then I'll say, I, I'm probably going to go with the rookie Lynch as number two there against Cleveland. Ah, here they are. I got it refreshed. Sorry about that. I thought it was updating in real time. My computer apparently is having issues today. Uh, and then if you're forcing me to pick a third, I will pick Aaron Sanchez at Colorado. For Tuesday, there's actually quite a few interesting names here on Tuesday. Dylan Cease at the Reds. Nick Pavetta versus the Tigers. Edward Alzali versus the Dodgers. Kyle Gibson at the Twins. Revenge game for Kyle. Jay Happ versus the Texas Rangers. Mike Miner versus Cleveland. Alex Wood at the Rockies. And Shane McClanahan at the Angels. I will go Kyle Gibson versus the Twins. Just because I don't want to sit Kyle Gibson. I will go Nick Pavetta versus the Tigers. And then I will go Alex Wood at Colorado. Oh, man. Oh, man. That is something I'm going to regret, but I'm saying it. He's back, baby. Alex Wood. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball. Today, we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. 